All right, you can take a seat. You can continue those conversations afterwards, though. It's great to see everyone chatting so well. <clears throat> We're almost there. We're almost there. Good job. Good job. Um, so um, this morning I'm going to be speaking to you with my very interesting voice again, sorry, um, about prayer and mission. So um, how about I start with a prayer um, and then I will get into what I have prepared for you. God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come together as your family and to be in your presence this morning. God, I pray that you will use uh, this shaky voice and... Um, <clears throat> that people we will have open hearts and minds to hear what it is that you want to speak to each one of us today. God, we thank you that you are uh, leading and guiding each one of us and, and that this will be a word in season for each one of us that might be quite, quite different to our neighbour. And God, we thank you that, that through you we can do all things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm talking about prayer and mission today, and um, I tried to separate them because I thought this is just going to be messy and confusing, and, but they would not be separated. So uh, we are doing both of these together, and they really are actually quite difficult to separate because one leads to the other, leads to the other, leads to the other, it should. And one of my absolute favourites is Julian of Norwich, who lived in uh, the 14th century, so I love old people, as you may know. Um, and Julian of Norwich was a woman, and uh, she took her name from the church that she was attached to, literally. And so she lived, she was like um, a little, um, like a, um, an, an abbot, abbotess, um, and her little cell was attached to the church. So apparently in those days, this was not unusual that people would, um, you know, separate themselves from the world, and they would actually live in a cell. Well, they didn't come out, they just lived in there. And there was one window that went into the church and then there was another window that went into the street. And so it was like the two faces of her life. And when, when I read about this, I thought, that's a really good picture for us to have these two faces to our life. So she could join in with church services and be a part of worship and things like that. And then she could also join in with the street and people would come to her for wisdom and spiritual direction and things like that. And I just thought that, you know, for me, that's a really helpful picture of what our life can be like is just to have these two faces. So that's prayer and mission. So I'm going to start with some questions today. Um, the first one is, like, who is dismayed a little bit right now? Um, you might be dismayed about the state of the world, um, your world, your personal world, the community that we live in. Do you sometimes despair? Does it look just hopeless sometimes? And then, like, see, you didn't need to raise your hand, but, um, but then the other thing is, what plans do you have for Easter 2033? I can answer that one for you. It's 10 years in the distance. You don't have any plans. Does anyone have any plans, like, literally... I don't know. I can't think of anyone who would have... Pla really? Yeah, yeah, well, that's a, that's a given, but like a concrete plan of what you're going to be doing at Easter 2033. So let me tell you about something that is planned for Easter 2033. There is this global coalition which some of you may have heard about called Finishing the Task. And it's not a, re a weird sort of date thing. I know some sort of faith persuasions over the years have had dates when they could just kind of tell that Jesus was going to come back. But it's not that. 
It's just a sense of urgency to finish the task. Now, this big coalition, um, it is global, and there, there are some really, really big names that are involved in this. It was kicked off really by Billy Graham, who many of you know was you know, probably the greatest evangelist of all time. He was instrumental in getting this going. And also Rick Warren, who is um, a pastor of a megachurch in America, a very prolific author and evangelist as well. Um, and, and other um, groups, organisations have come along and joined in with this thing. So they've got people like YWAM, Youth with a Mission, Wycliffe Bible Translators are in there as well. And more recently, Nikki Gumbel has joined it as well. So Nikki is the Alpha guy um, who pioneered um, Alpha, which is a global organisation now. He actually stepped down from his position as vicar to focus on this. He's going to give the next 10 years of his life to seeing this task finished. Anyway, so uh, just to let you know that this thing is happening, that, that, that there are some big names who are determined to see the task finished. There was a real sense of urgency back in the early church because they thought Jesus was going to come back any time. And I really feel like that sense of urgency has kind of got lost. And we need that sense of urgency back again. So finishing the task is really about reaching unreached people groups. And um, we recognise the work that's been done by missionaries over the years and so on. But uh, really, uh, there needs to be that push to get the, the task actually finished. So what is the task? It's here in what is known as the Great Commission, which is found in Matthew 28. Matthew is one of the Gospels, one of the four Gospels, and this is right near the end of the Gospel. And Jesus' last words to his disciples. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. <clears throat> so we have this imperative to go. So um, we have that imperative. And then there's this in Revelation 7, verses 9 to 10. And this is... <coughs> of what um, the finishing the task is about. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. <clears throat> they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So this is not to hasten Christ's return, I'm not trying to conjure sort of something that isn't already going to happen, um, but it's just you can see from that reading that if all those people are to be there, they at least need to have been reached. And this is one of the many things that God has to say about prayer. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people... We just pause there. You can sort of see as you look around you in the world that whether God is sending these things or not, whether they're just there, <coughs> that we're in that kind of position now. So here's what he says next. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, 
Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. So as well as the imperative to tell everyone, we have an imperative to pray. God promises he will heal our land, which is so needed today. Actually, if somebody could pass me my little cup of tea, (coughs) maybe the warm drink would be better. So going back to the finishing the task, thank you for a moment. Um, they have three Bs that they have um, always wanted uh, to be their goal for everyone in the world to have. And those three Bs are Bible, believer and body. So Bible, obviously something in their own language or their own dialect. A believer, so somebody preferably of their own people group that believes in Jesus. And then a body, so a body of believers to belong to. So that's all very much about being engaged in mission. They've recently added a fourth. Please work. And that is breakthrough prayer. To have every person on planet Earth who doesn't know Jesus yet prayed for by somebody who does. So um, finishing the task... um, have identified that there are two different sorts of um, unreached people groups. So there's just unreached people groups and then there's unreached, unengaged people groups. And those are the real hard ones, the ones who um, absolutely don't have a Bible that is in their dialect or in their language. And they have those people kind of covered at the moment. um, They've adopted all these people groups and they have people who are working and um, looking to um, bring them to Jesus. But, but what about us? What can we be doing? We are part of the 2.6 billion Christians that there are in the world at the moment. And we can be sharing the gospel with people we know. So if you kind of do the math, it almost works. Um, so if we each reach three people in the next 10 years, that would be the whole world. Obviously, it's not quite as straightforward as that because us in the West will um, be reaching a lot of the same people and there'll still be people who are not getting reached. But that's basically one person every three years. So it's it's not a really high bar. And we can be praying breakthrough prayers for people groups for sure. And also for the people we know and for the community we are a part of. Who are our unreached people groups? Maybe you can see that your workplace is one, or your school, or where you live, or maybe your family even. 24-7 prayer. Now, a bit of whiplash. We're going going on to prayer now. It's an organisation we have been connecting with more in the last few years. We have done two of their prayer courses as an all-in group study. And we're about to launch our first 24-7 prayer room event with 24 hours of constant prayer starting at 9am on the 21st of October. It is super exciting, despite my voice, and and talk of uh, more of the how-to of that shortly. So how do we get God's heart for prayer for people? Um, Obviously, it is in prayer. And we've, I've talked about this before. I had a look back at my notes for a, a message that I did in February. And I've talked about the three levels of prayer. 
which I described at length then. So basically there are are three levels of prayer that are um, good to understand if we can. And they relate to the scripture about ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. So the asking prayer is, is just what it says. It's that real coming to God with your requests. And it is probably the one that most of us spend most of our prayer time in. But the other, the other two, the, the seeking and the knocking, are the spending more time with God, pressing in past that asking sort of level and just spending time with him heart to heart. I'm not sure how you could spend time in that kind of seeking prayer and not catch God's heart for people, for the broken, the hurting, the marginalised, the lost. I think most of us would spend that time mostly in the asking, but we need to press in, we need to get beyond that. So how can you do that? You can read some books about prayer, and Pete Gregg, uh, the 24-7 guy, has plenty of books that you can read about that. You can listen to podcasts or teaching about prayer. And as well as learning about prayer and how to do it better, you'll actually get excited about prayer and be encouraged to pray more. And one of Pete Gregg's books is called Dirty Glory, um, and it is just full of stories of when prayer has made a difference in people's lives and in communities and situations. And I don't think you can read that book and not get super, super excited about the potential that lies in prayer. And then you can actually engage in it and practice prayer. (coughs) If you aren't sure how to pray, then you can do what the disciples did and ask Jesus to teach you. This is recorded in the Gospels. Um, It's found in Matthew 6. And just a note that they weren't actually asking him how to pray because they did know how to pray. They were good Jewish boys. They knew their scriptures. They had prayers recited by heart. They knew how to pray. So what they were really asking him was, teach us to pray how you do. Teach us to do it like you. So you can do that uh, by reading the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. And it is just a really good model for the type of prayer that you can pray. And then you can ask the Holy Spirit to help you. So um, Charles Spurgeon says this, Prayer itself is an art only the Holy Spirit can teach us. Pray for prayer. Pray until you can really pray. So you just practice. None of us was born a spiritual giant. We all need to start where we are and grow from there. We just need to want to. God is more interested in your heart than in the words you say. So just share your heart with him. It is helpful to have a really good daily rhythm or weekly rhythm that includes prayer, as well as your daily devotion, and they'll quite likely be separate things. Your devotion time when you read a portion of scripture and see what God is saying to you is probably also the time that you'll bring your asking prayers to him. But that deeper kind of prayer when you're seeking God and spending time heart to heart is likely to be a different time. (coughs) And it will take time. You may not do this every day, but you do need to try and build it into your life. Not many of us have this kind of time But we all do make time for the things that are important to us, don't we? 
As always, we are here to help you develop your prayer life. And as we do that together, we'll be building a very strong foundation for the mission opportunities that we feel God is calling us into, as well as the ones we're already involved in. So please don't hear me wrong. I know there is lots of prayer already happening, both personally and corporately, in many, many different ways. And we are already being really effective in mission, both overseas and in the Philippines, and more locally, with youth ministry, playgroup, Out for Lunch, and many others. Alpha is included in there too. And there are many, many more that we can step into. So back to our prayer room. So our prayer room is going to be, or it is already, at to the left of the info desk. So if you go to the left of the info desk, there's a little office there. And we are setting this up as a 24-7 prayer room. So it will be available other times as well, but we'll have some actual 24-7 prayer events in there. I've told you the date already. So the 21st of October (coughs) is our first day. And we're starting at 9am on the Saturday morning. So clearly that will finish at 9am on the Sunday morning. And just imagine that day when we come into church, um, people have been praying in this space for 24 hours solidly. It's also our baptism Sunday, which uh, I think is not an accident that these two things have coincided. So coming into church on the 22nd with that 24 hours of prayer and getting ready to celebrate some baptisms together is going to be really amazing. So there, is, um, there are one-hour slots available to book for that 24 hours. Um, I'm told that the, the hours of like 2 to 4 o'clock are the best to get. So um, apparently they're quite coveted, those hours. So uh, we'll have a system of <clears throat> letting people in so not everyone will need a key. So you can, yeah, the practicality of it is quite simple. So you can either go in there by yourself Or you might like to go in there as a family or as a group of friends, you could do that. Um, But it just needs to be really, really helpful to you. So um, don't invade somebody else's, Um, I'd say that, because people may have planned what they're going to do in there and they might not want you to be there. But just whatever works for you. And we will, there is an online booking thing, um, which we'll talk about later as well. So no one is suggesting that you go into this room for an hour and just sit <coughs> and pray and hope, you know, that something happens. There, there can be some... There are craft things in there already. So I've lined one of the walls with paper. So you're free to go in there and write up prayers or um, put up your favourite scriptures or anything like that. The younger kids can go in there um, nicely and um, they can draw prayers or they can write up their, their prayers if they want to. But like, we want it to be a really creative space. If you're um, an arty person, then there are some art materials in there and we'd love you to go in and use them, even ahead of time. Do it now. Do it after church today. Go in there, cover the place with art and prayers and creative things. So there'll be some prayer points up there to help guide your prayers. But you can also take in music. So if worship music is good for you, take your phone in, play some creative sort of worship music to to kind of get you stimulated in your prayers. 
Um, but do allow for there to be some quiet time as well where you are just sitting and waiting on God for him to speak to you. We do find in our um, <clears throat> pre-service prayer times that we have, um, there's a little group of us that meets every Sunday and you're welcome to join in with us too. But um, everybody prays, but there's also just some quiet time and that is just when you can feel the presence of God there and you can feel him speaking to you and you allow him to, to really speak into your life. So just allow for all of those things. So what will happen during your hour in the room? <clears throat> maybe nothing, and that's okay. But maybe something. Maybe God will whisper something to you. Maybe he will show you something. And most likely there will be changes in you. Your heart will be different. So there is a little link in the newsletter where um, you can book a one-hour slot in there. <coughs> and this is just the start of something quite new for us. We're going to do one day to start off with, which uh, seems quite achievable to me, and quite possibly you will miss out. Um, if you don't book in quite quickly, then you may miss out on an opportunity this time. But we will uh, we'll stretch ourselves in this. So the next time we might do a week, and that is like the maths, 168 hours or something like that. So that'll be 168 slots that we need to, to fill next time. So it's definitely something that we can grow into. I believe as we engage in this type of prayer, God will give us more opportunities to engage with our community in meaningful ways. And we can already see opportunities for that. <clears throat> if the term missional community is familiar to you and sets your heart racing a little bit, as it does for me, we'd love to hear from you. We already have some opportunities to, to engage in this at Warwick. Um, and a missional community is really quite a focused um, group of Christians who, who uh, kind of come around a common goal. So um, you might have a, a group that you're targeting targeting that's that's not good is it you know what I mean a group that you're focusing on in the community and you come around them as a, a, a little group and then you you uh, do your ministry together so that really is what a minister, uh, missional community is so if you're keen on that type of thing then we would love to hear from you But there's definitely potential for more ministry of that type that we can do in our community. And, but it will take prayer to bring these things about. And we can really wrestle with God about those things. Here's a fun scripture. So this is in Isaiah 62. It says this, I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. That whole chapter is so good. It is so full of God's promises. But how fun is that? He tells us to give ourselves no rest, and he tells us to give him no rest either. Anything is possible if we would do that. As you position yourself to hear from God, you will, in fact, hear from God. Sometimes God shows me things um, in pictures. I'm quite visual. And um, 
when we were, we were away at conference last week and it was beautiful there. It was sunny, but not in a scary way. It was warm, but not in a scary way. It was just nice in Queensland. They can do that there. But anyway, every time we were praying with our eyes closed or worshipping and, and I had my eyes closed, I had this same picture over and over and over again. And it was just of Raymond Street sale of, um, and I was kind of hovering over, like not super high, just maybe lamppost high. Do you call them lampposts here? I don't know. Light, light pole high. Um, and looking down, and I could see all the people moving around in, in Raymond Street sale, the same, same part every single time. It was just, um, I think, just um, engaging my heart in, in our community and um, reaching out to them. And often when God shows me something, when he gives me a picture, I think I was just, you know, minding my own business at the time or, you know, thinking about something else. But when I look back, it's always because I've been positioning myself to hear from God. Maybe I've been spending more time engaged in prayer. Maybe I've been reading, you know, um, a helpful book or reading the Bible, obviously. But after positioning yourself, then God will speak to you. And this is what the prophet Joel says. This is um, actually from Acts, but it does hark back to the Old Testament. So it's really encouraging. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So going back to that first question. Maybe you even despair about the church sometimes. Maybe you think that um, the lie that the church is shrinking is true, and it isn't. You do not need to despair about that. The church is not shrinking. It might be shifting, but it's not shrinking. They say that it's shifting more to the southern hemisphere. That's where we are. Um, And sort of moving in a different way in Europe and in Northern America. So... Uh, the numbers are definitely changing there, and it looks like they're reducing. But, but in actual fact, the people who are still going to church are the ones who are believers. Um, and now there is not this cultural expectation to go to church that there used to be. So you couldn't actually tell who were the Christians, you know, a few hundred years ago because everyone was just expected to go. But now the people who go are kind of stepping out of culture to go to church. So they're the ones that are really committed. So actually the numbers are really, really good. And globally the population is growing something like 1% each year and the church population is growing by at least 2% each year. And in this southern hemisphere and in some some of the African countries, it's actually growing by 4% a year. So we are, you know increasing, increasing, so there's nothing to be dismayed about there. People are hungry for God. They are. They're coming. Uh, they're searching in a, in a new and fresh way, well, like we've seen it even in, in our situation here, that people who don't 
know God, don't have a, ba- a background in the church, but they are hungry for God and they are trying to find out if God is real and um, search him out for themselves. So there is this hunger. People are hungry for holiness. Um, and you can see that if there is, you know, um, a situation like a something sad that happens on the side of the road, people want to make that place holy. They put flowers, they put, you know, they want to make it like a little shrine. People are seeking holiness. So, yeah, just be encouraged, I'd say, um, that, you know, people really are hungry. They are searching and um, there is a whole community out there who would be so receptive to us reaching out to them in real practical ways, but also um, as we pray for them, that their hearts are already warm and God is already at work in our community and he's just waiting for us to come alongside. So let's all start where we are and keep growing as we practice prayer together. Get involved in the 24-7 things that we are preparing for you. We make it easy for you. We set these things up for you to join in with and make it really easy for you. And as we worship now, let's use this as a prayer. So sorry, the band can be. (coughs) Let's use this as a prayer. Speak the name of Jesus over your situations, your people groups, and your desire to know God. Thank you for bearing with me. Just, yeah, I wouldn't have done that if I thought that it was going to be so bad. Um, hopefully um, the message still came through um, that we just need to be really engaged in this prayer and mission together. So let's use this this worship song, song as your prayer now and... Um, Yeah, let's worship together.